Welcome to Talking Roadmaps, the channel where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything about road mapping. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Gothelf. Jeff, I'm sure people don't need an introduction, but give us one anyway. Sure. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for having me. Jeff Gothelf, I am a former UX designer and product manager and leader, product leader and team leader, a bit of an entrepreneur. Over the years, I've written a few books uh, with Josh Seiden, usually, called uh, Lean UX, Sense and Respond. Uh, Phil's favorite, as I, as I now know, Forever Employable, and Josh Side and I are working on our third book together called Who Does What by How Much, which is a book about objectives and key results, and we're super excited to have that coming out later uh, this year. I'm sorry early next year in uh, in March of 2024. And, and these days I work as a public speaker and as a trainer and uh, coach, typically for large organizations dealing with uh, building a product management practice, integrating design product and agile, and then, and then really working on OKRs a lot these days as well. If you're enjoying the channel, subscribe, hit the bell, and give us a like. And I'm sure we're going to bring an OKR, an outcome of output-oriented slant to, to the conversation here. Let's just go straight to it. What's the purpose of a roadmap, in your opinion? That's really interesting because, you know, the 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 interesting part about that is that there is a um, sort of like the original purpose of a roadmap. And then I think there's what it should be today, right? So if we think about it from the original purpose, right? I think the original purpose of a roadmap was to communicate with some level of real or fake confidence <laughs> um, what we're building and when it will go live. And that way we can set expectations with customers and with the market and with our sales organization, et cetera, about the features that our product and services uh, we're going to have. Um, Realistically, today, I think the purpose of a roadmap is to communicate intent. It's to communicate direction, and it's to it's to communicate the the. In many ways, I think I think the the corporate strategy for the upcoming time period, right, six months, twelve months, etc. So strategically, for the next twelve months, we're focused on increasing market share in Europe. Okay, so that's what the, the roadmap theme is themed around that. And then to do that, we're going to focus on, uh, you know, increasing our presence in Southern Europe and Spain and, and Portugal and, uh, and a little bit in Eastern Europe as well. And then, and then using those themes to put forward a series of potential uh, hypotheses about what you might build to do that. But the commitment is to those themes and to those goals rather than to a, a fixed set of features. Okay, so yeah, I totally agree. That tool or the roadmap being about alignment and kind of the key themes as opposed to a commitment to when we're doing things is yeah. so, so, so much the the way of modern roadmaps. I wonder though, if we're talking about themes or we're talking about direction, who are we talking about that with? What's the audience? The audience for the roadmap. I think the audience for roadmap is both... It, well, if I think about it for five more seconds, it seems to me that an audience for the roadmap is both internal and external. It's both up and down and 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 out as well, right? So I think I think in the most tactical terms, it's something that we share with the team, the team that's working on these themes and and these strategic goals. 
I think it's a tool for communicating up to leadership and stakeholders, clients perhaps, about what we're planning to do and where we're headed and how we think we're going to get there. I think it's an out, an out or kind of a sideways communication tool to sales and marketing to say, this is our focus. Here's where we think we're headed. These are the problems that we're solving for. And so as you're out there selling and marketing, this is the pitch. The pitch is we're solving this user problem. We're, we're making this easier, or this more delightful or whatever it is. And I think ultimately there is an external communication component to this as well, right? To the market, to our, to our competition, to our shareholders, to whoever, whoever's paying attention to what we're doing that says, this is where we're headed in the coming year, 18 months, whatever it is as well. So it, it does have to carry a lot of weight, I think, as a communication tool. I'd argue that perhaps you don't have to show everything to everybody all the time, right? There's probably layers of a roadmap that you can reveal or hide depending on the audience. But as a, as a document, it definitely carries a lot of weight. I think it's really interesting what you the point you made there, Jeff, about not necessarily showing the same thing to everyone at the same time or every time. Now, I wonder, as someone who kind of definitely is a promoter of outcomes over outputs, I'm guessing that that might change what we put onto our roadmap as well. What are we putting on the roadmap? Yeah. And so, look, for me, you know, again, I, I think what people expect to see is we are building the mobile app and the mobile app will be done on June 30th and it will be blue and it will do these 10 things. Um, realistically, what I just said, as generic as it was, is filled with a lot of risk. And putting that on a roadmap certainly lends some confidence and predictability to what the team is doing. But it doesn't necessarily lend any confidence to whether or not we're solving a real problem for a real customer in a meaningful way, if we're delivering any value to our end users and to the company. And so the things that I would love to see that I, I like to see on roadmaps are these strategic themes, right? So essentially they end up being objectives, right? So qualitative goals that are strategic and important to the team and support the higher purpose of the organization, right? So if you're on the authentication team, right, our strategic goal for 2024, the objective for the roadmap is simplicity and, and users self-service, right? Something like that, right? That those, that's kind of like our, our strategic goal. You could write that as an objective statement and make that pretty, pretty clear about the direction that the team is heading in. I then would love to see on a, we'll say quarterly basis, because quarters are the most common, but if they don't work in your industry, you know, use the cycle time that makes sense. But on a quarterly basis, I'd love to see a team-wide commitment to a specific set of key results. So behavior changes, outcomes in the target audience that we're serving. So how do we know that we're building a more simple, and uh, easier to self-service authentication offering for our product. Well, we want to see a reduction by 90% of the number of people calling customer service to who, who can't sign in and a 50% reduction in password retrieval from the website itself. Okay, right. That's what I'd like to see sort of at the top of every roadmap. And then maybe the KRs change over time. We think we can hit you know, we can hit these first KRs in the first couple of quarters. And then in the third and fourth quarter, we think we might hit, uh, we might work on some other behaviors that are less of a focus right now, but may become more important in the future. 
And then the final thing I'd love to see, well, it's actually two more things I'd love to see on the roadmap. One are the hypotheses that you believe as a team will help you achieve those behavior change. And in addition to those hypotheses, I'd like to see the questions, the doubts, the risks that you have as a team that might challenge your success in each quarter as well, right? So we've got strategic theme, we've got the key results, we've got a list of hypotheses, and then a set of questions uh, or risks that say, look, we we think that building one-click authentication or magic link, right? What is it that Slack does, right? Magic link authentication is going to help. Uh, that's our hypothesis, right? But the risks are uh, that we, we're catering to a very young audience that doesn't use email. So we have to make sure that we deliver that link most successfully. Like how to, how to, we have to figure out how to most successfully deliver that link, right? That's a question that I'd like to see in that. Um, the interesting part about that, so, so those are the components, right? Now, one more thing about that. The interesting part about those components is that in the immediate subsequent timeframe, so this quarter and maybe the next one, you can make a set of reasonable guesses about what those hypotheses and questions should be. We have, we have evidence, we've got a backlog, we've got a sense of what's important right now. As you start to look further out in time, three quarters from now, four quarters from now, the number of guesses, which is what we're doing, right? We're guessing, uh, you know, let's be super clear, right? The number of guesses that we have about what we will be working on in nine months, in six months, in 12 months, should reduce significantly because the reality is we don't know, right? The, the, the level of confidence that we have in our guesses looking out six, nine, and 12 months is significantly lower than the level of confidence we have in the guesses that we work, work on over the next six months. And so I would expect to see fewer and fewer guesses, fewer hypotheses as we move forward in time. And what I would expect to see with these teams is checking in on a regular basis, and then asking, what have we learned? How are we tracking towards our key results? Does our direction still make sense? What are we gonna continue to work on? What are we not going to work on? What new things have we discovered that we should work on? And then sort of that, 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 that confident planning window shifts forward a quarter, right? So let's say it, it, it encompasses about two quarters, it shifts forward a quarter. And then we work and then we shift forward a quarter. So the roadmap is a living document and all those elements that I described. Now, it's really interesting. There's a couple of things I'd love to unpack there, Jeff, because I guess the first one is it felt very internal centric. I'm not sure. Would I share that view with the hypotheses, with the risks, with a client? Uh, well, so, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we don't have to reveal everything to everybody, right? I think we definitely want, like if, if we're communicating externally, I think we definitely want to reveal the the sort of the objective, the strategic objective that we're working towards um, and the problems that we're solving. Maybe we don't want to get into specific numbers. Like we know that we're getting a lot of calls about not being able to sign in to our website. Right. And so uh, instead of saying, look, we get 15,000 calls a day, we want to reduce that by 90 percent. We're going to say, look, one of our main focuses is making our experience the smoothest to onboard and to sign in. And so that's our focus is really reducing any friction for getting into the system. 
right? Something along those lines. That's the same thing, just worded for an external audience. Um, the risks and the doubts and the hypotheses, I don't think those need to be, uh, those, those are important for public consumption. Yeah, so I think the, the, the things that you reveal differ by audience. Yeah, I, I, almost the rephrasing you went to there is often where I go for the, the customer problem or the other use of the word outcome. As a user outcome or a job to be done that we might put on the roadmap because mm -hmm. they, we take the solution away, but we say, well, how are yeah. we going to help the customer? Exactly. Like pe people keep trying to sign into our system and uh, we want to make that as easy as possible. And, and, well, and I guess I can is. agree, but also disagree a little bit with the how, how you have less in the long term. My assumption is we've probably got a lot of guesses in the long term because there's a lot more uncertainty. The question is whether we should write them down. You know, there's no shortage of, of ideas, right? Everyone has ideas, uh, a lot of ideas. And, and if, if we were going to ask a team to fill out their roadmap completely with their ideas, they would, right? And I don't think they'd have any issues doing it. It's a lie, right? It's that's the, like, let's, and, and I don't feel like we should be putting our folks in a position where they have to simply manufacture stuff solely to complete, to yeah. make a document appear complete. Yeah, it's, I, just as a, I'll tell you a quick story. Years ago, um, I, I had a friend who worked at a hardware startup that got acquired by, um, by a big Korean uh, tech company that does lots mm, of I wonder things. who they might be. <laughs> and, you know, and they were like a 30, 30 Right, exactly. That's, that's not name names, uh, but they were like a thirty-five person startup, and they worked pretty, pretty, you know, in a very lean way, in a very agile way. You know, they, they had documentation, but but they communicated very well with each other um, because they were a relatively small company. They were nimble. They, when they got acquired, there was this demand for filling out the documents, fill out the roadmaps, fill out the budgets, fill out these presentations so that we can distribute them broadly across the organization. And the reality is that the, the company that got acquired, they didn't, A, they didn't want to do the work, but, but B, they didn't really have the answers for these folks, but not doing it wasn't an option. So they, they just filled it out, right? For the sake of filling it out, my, my friend who worked there described it as, you know how like in the old Westerns, in the old Western movies, like there was the facade of the town, right? It, it was like, it looked like the storefront or the saloon or, you know, the, the inn or whatever it was, but behind it, there was nothing. That's what that stuff was, right? They, they just filled it out for the sake of filling it out because somebody wanted to see it filled out. But the content was a lie. And I think forcing our teams to do that today without clear evidence that this is something they should be doing and that it's currently relevant and important to be doing is forcing them to lie or, or to make stuff up that inevitably is going to change in the future. And we're going to put them in an uncomfortable position in the future that says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we told you six months ago, we were going to build all this stuff. Right, but now we have to change that, which is an equally uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah, I think that reminds me of the quote from David Cancel. Um, if I give you what I promised you six months ago, then either it's not what you wanted anymore or I lied to you because I did deliver yeah. something else. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges with roadmaps. I tend to think of it as plan A, and I started working on plan yeah. B yesterday. And if you get it, then most people, then you're, and you're okay with that reality. 
then it works. But the challenge becomes when people coming from a more traditional way of working or mindset don't understand that and take it as a committed plan. Look, it, it, this, this is, and this is the issue, right? The issue is that folks who make digital products and services are battling against a century of historical inertia about how to build and optimize a business. And that century of, of thought leadership, of experience, comes from manufacturing. It comes from, from the, the industrial era. And if you're building a factory and you're trying to maximize the efficiency of that factory, yes, let's use that 100 years of knowledge and get better at it. But the thing that I try to impress upon the folks that I work with, the leaders that I work with, the, the, the teams that I work with, it, it's, you know, and it's kind of like, it's telling them something they already know, but when it's reflected back to them, it seems a bit more obvious. And, and it's this, we work particularly, you know, we've been, look, I've been building digital products for 25 years, but particularly in the last decade, right? The fundamental nature of digital products and services changed, right? It changed from building static versions of the product, right? And shipping that static version to continuous improvement, continuous learning, continuous iteration, right? DevOps, basically. DevOps gave us the capability to continuously work on these products. And why that's in, in, it's fundamental is because the stuff that we work on today technically never ends. We are building infinitely continuous systems. And if that sounds daunting or stupid or scary, just ask yourself the question, right? When is Google done, right? Like it's, right, it's like everybody, and that's, that's everybody's reaction, right? And, and, and like, when is Netflix done, right? When is Amazon done? Like you think about like the, the, the you know, the digitally native leaders in, in our space right now, this idea that they're done doesn't make any sense. And that's true in every organization that builds software. Because we're building these continuous systems, the pace with which we can update those systems is insane yep. these days. Literally, literally, it's as fast as you want, right? That's, that's the answer these days. As fast as you would like to update the system, you can. And so what that means is that the, the making of a thing, right, the deployment of the feature is a non-event. It's, it's not the thing that we celebrate anymore because it's a thing that we do every sprint, every week, every day, every hour, depending on where you work, right? And so we need a different measure of success. So putting a feature in a roadmap, if you're Amazon and you're shipping code to production every second, which they do, how do you maintain that roadmap, right? It's, it's insane. And so, and so this idea of saying, look, and so, so it's fundamentally changing what we, what we've, what we qualify as value. Right. The, the, the value is we made the authentication process easier. And we know that because people are authenticating with less issues. And we see that in their behavior rather than magic link or one click sign on or, you know, thumbprint scanner or whatever. I found in the last couple of years since Teresa published around the opportunity solution tree, pulling that out to kind of show, well, here's the outcome we're driving towards. Here are the, here's our understanding of the problem space. And here's the, let's list all the 10,000 ideas you've got for solutions. Great. Now let's go and prove which one makes sense to us. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, again, like, like we said a second ago, right? Everyone has ideas. You have ideas. I have ideas. Our bosses have ideas. Marketing guaranteed has ideas. Sales has ideas, 
right? Uh, your partner at home has an idea if you work on a B2C product, right? Whose idea is best, right? In the past, it was, well, it was the person who shouted the loudest or got paid the most, right? Their idea was best <laughs> For, or not, but whatever, we built it, right? We have the tools, the capabilities, and the and the responsibility, frankly, to find out which is the best combination of code, copy, and design that's going to solve this user problem that we're focused on now. And I love the fact you brought in the copy in there as well. It's not just the tech. I, the, the previous guest on the show was uh, April Dunford, and we were talking about her new book, Sales Pitch, as well. And very much if everything's not integrated when we're talking about the products, too much I find products these days are being driven into the tech space. And mm. like our, the need to really look holistically at how we communicating about the product, not just building new stuff. Sometimes the right thing to do is just market it differently. A hundred percent. I always joke, um, I teach a lot of classes and I teach them all on Zoom these days, which is fantastic, by the way. As people line up in the waiting room in Zoom to let them in, the button, the little text link that you click says, admit all, right? Which makes sense. In English, but it also means other things. Like I'm going to admit everything to these people. Like whatever, right? Like it's, it's copy like that, right? It makes you think. Like was this the right? Was this the best choice? You know, I, I, I can't think of a better option. But in any case, it, copy is crucial to the success of your products. Now you started to talk a little there about um, who makes the decision. So I guess circling back, who owns the roadmap? Who maintains it? Who, who are the people who are kind of looking after this thing? I think it's a product manager. I don't think we need to. Well. My opinion is I don't think we need to, uh, to, 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 I don't think it requires a, a heavy debate. I think the product roadmap is the responsibility of the product manager. Now that said, they shouldn't work in a vacuum. They need to collaborate with design and engineering and marketing and sales and strategy and, and whoever else, right? But the, the, the owner of the document is the, is the product manager, the, the, you know, the, the, the person responsible for helping the team navigate the uncertainty of digital product development. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about you brought objectives into, into the roadmap. What about mm -hmm. vision and strategy? How do they link in? So, look, I, I, I'm going to talk about strategy. I, I'm less clear on vision. You know, well, if we think about it, right, so I guess vision is sort of like the, the long-term plan, not plan, but the long-term sort of approach for the business, like, uh, organize the world's data or whatever it was for Google, right? That was their vision for a while. Strategy, I think about a lot and I teach strategy to a lot of the teams that I work with, product strategy. And strategy to me, it's important. That my favorite article description of strategy comes from Roger Martin um, and it's his 2014 Harvard Business Review piece called The Big Lie of Strategic Planning. If you haven't read it, you should. It's not that long, um, but I'll give you the, the, the summary now. Martin says, strategy is a hypothesis. Uh, strategy is not a plan. Um, strategy, revenue is not strategy. And basically, it boils down to being a, explicit about the logic in, uh, in our strategic direction. So how will we know we're achieving the strategy? And answering two key questions. Where will you play and how will you win? Where will you play being, so your, your target audience, your target market, the geographic zone, the, what, what, you know, kind of where we're targeting 18 to 34 year old male gamers, you know, who love first person shooters. Right, that's where we'll play. 
And how will you win is your uh, competitive advantage, your unique value proposition, how you believe you're going to, to, to win this part of the market. And maybe it's a marketing approach, maybe it's a product approach or a service approach or a pricing approach or whatever it is, right? Um, but that essentially forms the basis for your strategic hypothesis. And as an organization, you can start to base your organizational level goals or OKRs on that strategy. You need to have that strategy if you want alignment across the organization. And so at the organizational level, once you've got a strategic direction, formulating objectives and key results or goals out of that is fairly easy. The strategic aspect of it, the sort of the, the, the where will you play and how will you win becomes your objective right? We're going to become the, you know, we're going to, uh, our goal is to produce the, the, the most fun first person shooters for, you know, for 1834 year old male gamers. Um, and then the key results are going to be the behavior changes that we're looking for to tell us that we've done that. Now to answer your question about where does that fit into the roadmap? I think at a corporate level, right? If we're looking kind of a high level roadmap for the organization that sits right at the top, right? The objective is that is that strategic theme for the roadmap that we talked about before. And then the key results line up uh, on, on a quarterly basis about maybe it's acquiring new players and getting them to try it and then ultimately paying for it and, and telling their friends that type of thing. Um, I think if you work lower down in the organization, you should be able to tell a compelling story as the product manager who owns your team's roadmaps. So let's come back to my example of authentication. As the product manager for the authentication team, you could have a strategy for your portion of the customer journey that you work on, but you have to be able to tell a compelling story that connects your strategic direction with the corporate strategy, right? How does this support the higher objective as an organization? And I think that, that if you can do that successfully, then you're aligning your team and then you're aligned with the organization and that should, that should please your bosses, I think, as, as you move forward. But that's, that's where I think this comes into the, the roadmap conversation is if, if you're, and I think like most folks, not in charge of the entire thing then you should be able to tell a story about how the direction, the strategic direction that you're taking, you're taking your team in maps to the overall goal, the overall strategic goal. So totally agree. I was working with a, a scale up until very recently as we were pulling together their company level strategy, their company, their company or the, the product level strategy, and then each of the individual team strategies. And it's like the key message to all the product managers was, Show that direct lineup. How are you aligning with the, the you know the high level themes from from the corporate strategy? How are you aligning with the high level with the top level OKRs? How are you aligning also with your the set of product principles that we put in place? Kind of if you can box in what you're doing on those things and show that it, that shows that you're aligned with the overall company's thinking. Look, and I think it's crucial, right? Because if I'm your boss, that's the first question I'm asking you, right? Why are you doing this work? Yeah. Like, why are you proposing to do this work, right? And what I want to hear is how you connect the dots, right? That's, that's the thing that I care about because somebody's going to come to me. I'm, I'm not the CEO, right? My boss is going to come to me and say, hey, Jeff, what are your teams working on? Yeah. And I'll say, well, you know, Phil's team is building this. Okay, why? Well, because Phil told me that if they fix this, it's a leading indicator 
for activating dormant users, right? People who've signed up and, and left and never come, and came back. And since that's our goal is not so much acti- uh, acquiring new customers, but activating um, dormant customers, that's why Phil's team is doing that, right? That, that makes me, as your boss, look like a hero, and that's then I like you. And, and I, what I find is if you can show that when you're having the strategic conversation and the road mapping conversation, then the day-to-day conversations become so much easier because they just trust that you're making aligned decisions. Yeah, and, and look, you build your credibility, right? If, if, if we all talk about product managers and and how uh, everybody everybody likes to believe that product managers lead with authority, they don't, right? Generally speaking, most product managers don't have the authority to tell anybody what to do. Uh, much less hire or fire people or any of those things, right? We lead with influence. And the way that we influence is with uh, compelling storytelling, right? And if you can tell a compelling story that says we are doing this work because it's a leading indicator for the, the overall goal, right? And this is how we plan on, on achieving that. You're going to take your team along with you, your stakeholders, your clients, et cetera. And it's, it's powerful. And I think, so taking that storytelling element I always think that a visual is a powerful thing to go with storytelling. So how do you like to visualize a roadmap? To me, there are, you know, the, the I don't think we're going to get away from a linear time-based approach to the roadmap. I'm not sure that we should, right? I think that is, is, a, is a visualization that everybody expects, is comfortable with. I'm open to new ideas, but I think for now, I think that, that it makes sense as long as the contents of it are realistic and tied to measurable key results and that we believe that this thing isn't written in stone. And, and so whatever the, the, the tool is that you use to create the roadmap should make it easy to update should make it easy to change, should make it, you know, back in the day, and this was a long time ago, we used to make these roadmaps and customer journey maps and all this stuff. And then we'd get a plotter, right? One of those large scale printers, you know, and then, and then we'd print these beautiful things out and put them up on the wall. And in that state, those deliverables took a long time to make, and they were really nice, right? They were really nice looking, and nobody wanted to mess with them. Nobody wanted to print another one of those or change those things. And so it truly hindered our ability to pivot into a just course based on what we're learning. And so whatever, whatever tool you're using to visualize and share your roadmap, it should be collaborative. It should be simple to update. It, it, there should be no, no barrier to, to improving the roadmap based on new information. And so, so we've, we've talked about what goes in it, you know, beyond that, Use the tool that makes sense for you. Let's go kind of big hitters. Best practice in road mapping. If you had to kind of put that into a, a short statement. The, the, the biggest thing you can do is, is frame your ideas, the things that you want to make, as hypotheses. Because hypotheses reflect the real world doubt that is inherent in the work that we do. We like to speak very confidently, and we're, we're, we're often pushed to speak confidently. What are you building? Right? What's it going to do? How's it going to do it? If you deliver the responses to that as a hypothesis, you are, by default, injecting doubt 
into that conversation, right? Instead of saying, we are going to build a mobile app and it will be blue and it will do these three things and we will ship it by Friday. We say, we believe that we'll increase the number of dormant users, like the, the conversion of dormant to active user, um, you know, by 30% if, you know, dormant users uh, are uh, incentivized to come back in, in some, you know, uh, to, to this to the service with new features that uh, th this feature that connects it with the tool that they already use whatever it is I'm, I'm struggling to come up with it but what we're doing there is we're not saying we are absolutely building this and it will do it this way we're saying we believe we should build this thing because we think it's going to change this behavior and so the definition of done the measure of success is not making the thing anymore it's changing the behavior so it, it leaves the door open which inevitably we're going to have to walk through because we're going to be wrong to some extent for us to come back and say i know we told you we're going to build that thing right it turns out though that the implementation that we were thinking about isn't going to work or the exact design approach that we took wasn't working as well as we thought here's what we're trying next right and so that to me is is the the roadmap best practice is Anything you put on a roadmap should be phrased as a hypothesis. Interesting, yeah. And going back to that point about confidence, I think many product managers are almost hired because they are able to communicate in a way that exudes confidence, which uh, then leads to that desire for them to continue sounding like they're confident, even when they're not. Look, I, th I, th I, think, look I think there's an expectation, right? You're the product manager, right? Like, what are we doing, right? And for you to be like, well, I don't know. Right, that's not a good look. Yeah. Right, that's that's going to go over poorly. And, and let's look. And I'm going to say it again. Like, the reality is, look, I'm, I'm not going to say that product managers don't know what we're what we're going to build. Right, we have very very good guesses about what we should be working on right now. You know, and 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 again, the the time scale for right now varies based on your industry and context and all that stuff. Right, but the reality is beyond that. We're going to find out, right? We're going to collect evidence. We're going to talk to customers. We're going to see what happens in the market. You know, February of 2020, mid-February 2020, I was sitting at Barca Stadium, right? Camp No, with 100,000 other people watching a football match. 100,000 people. Like, if you've ever been in that, they've just torn it down, right? But that the seats in there were tiny. It was like you're literally sitting on top of each other. There's 100,000 of us just screaming, blowing out air into, you know? And a month later, I can't go walk my dog more than a kilometer from my house, right? Like, we just, we just cannot predict the future, right? And, and pandemics are one thing, right? Geo, geopolitical instability is another thing. But look, competitive advantages. Um, uh, you know, technological improvements. Where was AI a year ago? Three years out on the roadmap. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like Web3 was all the noise a year ago. Who's talking about Web3 today? Like literally no one. Right. And so we just, we just were pushed as product managers to have this confidence. Right. But the reality is that we, we only know so much. Right. And, and the more honest we can be about that, the more agile the organization can be, the more realistic we can be about those course corrections. So taking the opposite side of the coin, what are the, what are the biggest anti-patterns or bad practice that you encounter on road mapping? The toughest uh, part is that folks perceive them as written in stone. And, and, and again, I just, this comes again from manufacturing, right? When you like this, this, this sense of being a feature factory, right? We've heard this term before. 
right? Like we just, we're cranking out the widgets, the software widgets. The reality is, right, with, with digital products and services, we want to produce the least amount of software to deliver the highest amount of value. Why? Because we have to maintain that software forever. Remember continuous systems, yeah. right? And so the fewer lines of code that we have to maintain, the easier everyone's lives are in the future. And, and that is fundamentally at odds with this manufacturing mentality that, that dominates you know, leadership in, in most companies. And so what I think the biggest anti-pattern is folks thinking that these roadmaps are written in stone and then making it incredibly difficult for their teams to change course when conditions shift in the marketplace or they've learned something new. And that's a real issue. And, and, it's, and it's endemic and prevalent in almost all the organizations I work in still. Whose advice on roadmapping do you listen to? I try to listen to practitioners more than anybody else these days. I, I'd love to see what people are actually doing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of sort of consultants like me and, and, and authors and thought leaders who are out there putting out their ideas. I'm always curious to see what people are actually doing inside companies and how they're navigating this balance of uh, my boss needs to know what we're building for the next 18 months versus I have no idea what we're building beyond the next three sprints, right? Like that's, you know, and so how do you balance that is interesting to me. And so it's not so much advice is I am hungry for case studies and, and stories from the trenches. And I get like one of the perks of being a consultant is you get that. I, I, I work with a lot of companies and I see how a lot of folks do it. And the reality is that the the things that people like me share aren't silver bullets, but they're templates to start from. And what's fascinating for me to see is how people evolve those templates in-house so that it makes sense in the context of this financial services company or of that, you know, real estate company or that e-commerce uh, fashion retailer, whatever it is. Um, and so to me, that's where the good stuff is. And then I, I try to absorb all of that, um, synthesize it, and then and then put it back out there at, at, as an iteration to, to moving that conversation forward. So resonates with a conversation I had last week. I ran a workshop for an organization that I know is mentioned in your book. And the success criteria I was given by the, the product leader before we started the session was, I want the team to feel like they can Roadmap in such a way that is close enough to a plan that senior stakeholders will be satisfied, but not pinning them down too much. It's like finding that balance point. Yeah, and look, it's, and, and that's going to vary based on your, your culture, the, the culture of your company. It's going to vary based on your national culture, right? Like, like doing this in the United States, for example, is gonna be, it's going to be different than doing it in Japan right? or, or in other countries. And it's going to vary on the individuals as well. I, I've had great bosses who totally got this and and made it easier for me to do my job. And I've had crap bosses who didn't, you know, just wanted to be right and, and prescriptive and made this really difficult. And I've experienced those same bosses myself. I think we yeah, all yeah. have. So I'm going to start wrapping us up, uh, Jeff. Um, okay. I always like to ask the two hard questions at the end. So... Okay. The, last, the first of those two is, if you had to distill your philosophy on roadmapping into one or two sentences, what would it be? I think my philosophy on roadmapping would be um, manage to outcomes 
and it's a living document. So commit sorry, commit to outcomes, and it's a living document. And is there anything else that we should have asked you, or that I should have asked you, that I haven't? I'm going to bounce back to this topic of OKRs, and I'll tell you why. Um, I believe that OKRs are the gateway to organizational agility and to the kind of roadmap conversations that we've been promoting in this conversation. The reason for that is because the objectives and the key results don't commit a team to features. They commit a team to behavior change, to outcomes. In order to figure out what we're going to make, a team just, look, a team can just blindly say, we're gonna build these five things and it's gonna work. They're gonna be wrong, right? The team has to practice product discovery. Let's go figure out what the best combination is of code, copy, and design that achieves these behavior changes. And as we kill some of our hypotheses or pivot from some of our hypotheses, um, we collect evidence and then we change course based on evidence. And then that affects our roadmaps, right? Um, in a good way, right? It makes them more accurate. And changing course based on evidence is agile. It's being agile, right? It is agility. And so OKRs, when we use them correctly and set them as our goals, enable agility in our roadmaps. And to me, that's crucial to our success because we can't predict the future, everything we've talked about so far, right? So to me, that's, that's the thing that I, I wanted to connect the dots there, right? These aren't like, yes, OKRs are a thing and roadmaps are a thing. And can they exist without each other? A hundred percent. But when you connect them and you do them right, you actually enable agility to take place. And we need that to survive in the world today. We need to be able to change course as quickly as possible based on new information. Absolutely love it, Jeff. I couldn't agree more. I always like to give people an opportunity at the end just to pitch themselves, how they can help you, what they've got coming up, how people can get in touch, etc. Fire away. Sure. Uh, so perhaps not surprisingly, uh, Josh Seiden and I are writing a book on objectives and key results. It's called Who Does What by How Much. If you go to okr-book.com, you will be able to sign up for our mailing list. The goal is to publish the book in March of 2024. If you uh, follow me on LinkedIn, I've abandoned what used to be Twitter uh, and like a lot of folks. So please join me on LinkedIn. I've got an email newsletter on my blog at jeffgodhealth.com where, uh, where I write every week. And the, the newsletter comes out once every two weeks with a different article. So lots of places, LinkedIn, the blog, um, and then of course, okr-book.com. And um, yeah, otherwise, and feel free to reach out. Jeff, it's been absolutely wonderful having you here today. Love the conversation. Thanks very much for your time. Phil, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 